by the burning bush and they're talking for days and days and Rashi says it was a week and Moshe Rabbeinu he tells the Abish, I'm not a speaker not since yesterday not the day before not since you first spoke to your servant they were speaking for a week of course the Kabbalists say those that study the Chachm of Gilgulim by the way, some of the greatest Greek philosophers, Pythagoras was big in Gilgulim. Really? As, yeah, most definitely. We were just, I gave a shit to the Bochum yesterday about physiognomy, you know, face reading. Pythagoras, in order to get into his academy, you know, he wouldn't uh, call up your previous school and get a report. He would study your face. If he felt your character was you know, up to the task. He would, like, he would just study your face based on the wisdom of physiognomy. And he was also big in Gilgulim, as was Plato, etc. It was a big debate amongst the Greek philosophers, and of course, more importantly, amongst Yidin as well. The Kabbalists were big into Gilgulim, and the Yiddish philosophers, on the whole, generally, were not as enthusiastic, uh, and uh, for many of them, that's putting it quite mildly. However, the Kabbalists do say that Moshe Rabbeinu had lived before. Many, the Arizal brings, it's brought that he had the soul of Noyach, and he's telling the Ebishter, I'm not a speaker. When I was Noyach, you told me the world's going to be destroyed. I didn't daven for them. I'm not a speaker. I took care of myself, and that's it. You know, I'm a tzaddik and pelts type of guy. So he tells the Ebishter, I'm not a speaker. When he tells Hashem, even from way back when, he meant way back when, when I was Noyach. Others say it goes even before then. Okay. But the fact is, Moshe Rabbeinu is resisting the mission that the Ebishter wants to task him with. And Moshe's last... Last card that he pulls out is Shlach no biyad tishlach. Please send in the hand of somebody else. What does that mean? It's a vague statement. So according to one opinion, Rashi says he meant Aaron. Aaron Akoyin was a Novi before Moshe was. In fact, in the Yalkut Shemayin, it brings in the other Medrashim, it says, Aaron Akoyin was a Novi when he was three years old. When Moshe, and he's three years older than Moshe, which means from the moment Moshe was born, the Abishta already communicated with Aden as a three-year-old toddler. And when it says Moshe was thrown in the Nile, there was a lad crying, according to some refers to Aden. It's Aaron, and there was prophecy going on. That means Moshe's first encounter with the Abishta, the Pashtus, is by the burning bush, is 80 years old. And the Medrash says clearly that Moshe tells Hashem, what are you calling me for? Aaron's already a Novi, 80 years. From the, from the moment I was born, he's already a Novi. He said that he's a first Novi then, when he, when he, knocked, when he killed the, uh, what is it called? He was using the Shem and Farish, no Moshe, that's the Nevius is the Abish appearing to you. That was Kabbalistic tricks. Somebody can be, you know, the Chidor writes in his diary that he was he traveling somewhere. He looked into the future, he looked back. Oh, the, the looking in the future. It's in killing people with the shame of the Chidor writes in his diary, but right. So looking in the future, that's Ruach HaKodesh, you know, it's a godly spirit. But an actual prophecy of getting a message from Hashem, getting a message he didn't have. Right, right. Even, you see, there's a posuk in Yechezkel. How do we know Aaron was a Novi? Because there's a posuk in Yechezkel where it says, 
Hashem says, I told you while you were Mitzrayim, each person should throw away his getchkes. It's a posik in Yechezkel. So Chazal asks, what is the Eibishter telling you? What? When they were in Mitzrayim, Hashem communicated to us throughout Yechezkel. In Yechezkel, it refers to the fact that when we were in Mitzrayim, the Eibishter sent us a prophecy through somebody that we should throw out away our avoiders. Or who was that? It was Aaron. Before Moshe came. Rashi says, today's no? No, that Aaron gave that nevuah? Yeah, yeah, but doesn't doesn't bring that possibility. <coughs> no, I don't know if it brings right, that right. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just uh, I'm elaborating on the idea on the idea. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Aaron, Aaron's mom is suitable for this. So that's a famous pshat. The Targum Yonason Ben Uziel gives another pshat that Moshe said, "What are you sending me for? Send Pinchas, because Pinchas, according to the Targum Yonason, ultimately lives on to become Eliyahu." Right? There's a big debate. If Pinchas and Eliyahu know have anything to do with each other, um, there are Gemaras and Amashma, they're completely two separate people. There's a Medrash Rabbah where Eliyahu says, I come from Rochel, you know, which means he's not Pinchas. Pinchas uh, comes from Shevet Levi, is from Leah. But there's a Zoyer, there's a Pinchas de Rabelezer, there's other Gemaras and Amashma that they're the same person. Okay, it's a big debate. But the Targum Yenison Ben learns that Pinchas is Eliyahu. And yeah, it says in the end of what? Sure today's thing? Yeah. Okay, thank you. So, I'll call what are we saying? Oh, so the Targum Yenison holds Pinchas is ultimately going to be a Leo. And as Nach ends in the end of Malachi, Right? No one knows the song? That ultimately the Abish is going to send Eliyahu Novi, the time of Mashiach. So Moshe is telling the Abish to send Pinchas. He's the guy you're going to send at the end of days. Send him now as well. If you look in the Medrash Rabbah, there's many other, there's other interpretations of what Moshe Rabbeinu meant. Moshe tells the Abish to Abish to, when Hogger was lost in the desert in Parshas Lech Lecha, you sent Malachim to her. Now she was just a mistress in the house of Avram. Imagine Avram's Eneklech. <coughs> How much more so they're fitting to get an angel. Why are you sending a human being? You should send an, you should send an angel. If Hogger was just a maidservant, was sent a messenger from heaven, a Malach, why should the Eden be any less? And that's an interesting thing. What was Taka Debish's answer to that? You see, maybe there's a big debate. Someone who converts versus a Yid that's born, a Jew, each one has an up over the other. And there's a big debate in the Rishonim to debate the schus of one versus the schus of the other. Well, maybe Moshe was thinking that Avram's family is greater than Hagar, who just converted. So she received the Malach for sure, the Yidin. Maybe Hashem's response would have been, no, you got it wrong. Maybe the Ger has such a, a virtue over, maybe Fakert, because Hagar was a mistress, because she was a convert, maybe that's why she merited to have a Malach. Or maybe the other way around, Hashem is telling him, Taka, Avram's family, Avram's family has an up of a Hagar, but maybe you're greater than an angel. Which goes to another big debate of tzaddikim versus malachim. Tzaddikim versus malachim, which uh, is also seems to be a debate in the medrashim. Anyhow, so 
if you look through the Medrashim, you'll find many different interpretations. Who was it that Moshe was referring to when he told Abishta, Shlach no biyatishlach, send somebody else? But tonight we're going to see the following. And um, look in number two. Number two is a quote from a Medrash known as Oisius the Rabbi Akiva. Okay, it's, um, it's linked to the Tana Rabbi Akiva, and it's a beautiful Medrash, and it goes through all the Aleph Bays of the Torah, there's different Nuschais of the Medrash, and it speaks about different words that start with the different letters of the Aleph Bays, expounds upon it, it's a beautiful thing. And it says there the following, let's join me in number two. At that time, Moshe saw the mazal of Rabbi Akiva, um, behind the, the royal curtain, you know, where the Abish's private quarters are. Rabbi Kiva was expounding the letters of Torah. On the crown of each letter, on every single letter, that there is on the different letters in the Sefer Torah, right? In the Sefer Torah, there's tagin, there's crowns on the letters. On each crown, 365 uh, explanations, halachic explanations. So Moshe witnesses this, and Moshe feels weak. Miyad hoya Moshe mefachad. Moshe actually trembled. Umizdaze, he was shaking. The Oymen, Moshe says, in front of this guy, I'm nothing. I have no business in the mission of God. I have no shaykhs to learning. The Medrash links it to the Pasuk where in this week's parish where Moshe says, please send it in the hand of somebody else. Meaning this Medrash, which is the Oasis de Rabbi Akiva, so it's, you know, <laughs> praising Rabbi Akiva, that when Moshe said, please send in the hand of somebody else, he actually meant Rabbi Akiva. Why Rabbi Akiva? Because he's such a god in learning, he's a genius in learning, he should be the one to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. Very interesting. Continues the Medrash. Now the Abish knew what Moshe was thinking. He sent one of the Malachim, Sar shall call Hachochma Vahatvuna. So this Malach came, the Malach which is um, appointed upon all wisdom, it grabs Moshe, it takes him somewhere. And the Malach shows Moshe, in the vicinity of God, tens and tens of thousands squared of uh, spiritual sources of Chachomim and Shal Nevoinim and Shal Soifim, Shayoshim, Vidorishim, Taim, Meitoire, many people sitting and learning. Mikra, they're learning Mikra, they're learning Mishnah. In other words, the, the Neshamas of all the great scholars that the Yidden have had, L'chur is what it means. Medrash, Halachas, Agodas, Shmuas, Taisus, learning the entire Torah. And Va'aymim, and they would say that the things that they know is Halach, Lomashim, Sinai, these are things that Moshe was told in Har Sinai. So Mayad, when Moshe hears that everything is ultimately boiling down to what he was taught, Niskadra Daita Shamashi was appeased. The Kivan Shirah, when Hashem saw that Moshe was appeased, Amalai said, Hari Aaron Achicha Yin Vyacha, Aaron will speak for you. He will be your prophet. Now the word Navua actually comes from Nivs Fasayim, the moving movement of the lips. You see, the Gemara says Daniel, the Gemara in Megillah in the beginning says, 
Daniel was not a prophet. Daniel wasn't a prophet. The Abishta revealed so much to him. The explanation is Novi comes from the words Nivsfasayim that your lips move. <coughs> Everything Daniel was told by the Abishta was for him to keep personally and private. He was never given a mission, go speak to the Jews. He never had to move his lips, so he's not classified as a Novi. The word Novi means to move the lips. To be classified as a Novi, you have to be given a mission by the Abish to go and tell. The Gemara says in Megillah, Daf Gimel, Novi. The problem is later in Megillah, Rashi has Daf Yudalit, Rashi has a list of the 48 Nevi'im, Rashi counts him. So there's a big discussion in Mepharshim exactly well, you know, how you explain that. But nonetheless, when Hashem tells the Moshe that Aaron will be your Novi, it means your spokesperson. Novi means to move your lips. He will be your, uh, your liaison, the one that will speak on your behalf. You know, you speak in Lashon Kodesh, Aaron will speak it in, in, uh, in Egyptian to Pari. Why are you afraid? Speak to him in my name in front of Pari Harosha. And he will stand in front of you, and he will speak to him. Mashma that Aaron will stand. Shenem of Aaron, Achicho Yedaber, he'll speak to Pari. But at that time, Niftuchul Loy Lemoisha Dal Seidibur says this Medrash that when Moshe received this comfort from the Abishah, that don't worry, don't be afraid, Aaron will be there and he will speak, he will interpret your words to Pari. Moshe was was so comforted that Fakert, Moshe's Niftuchol Moshe Dal Seidibur, the doors of his speech were open to Pischis, Sikh, he was able to speak, he found wisdom, and Motsa Moshe Pischan Omana Loshan he actually became a great speaker. Now, this Medrash from the Oasis to Rabbi Akiva is um, something to be studied. The fact that it says that Moshe was healed. It's Mashman that wasn't the case when he came to Paroi. He had to use Aaron. This measure seems to say the moment Moshe was comforted, Aaron would, would help him. That already took off the pressure and the stress, you know, and psychologically kind of eased everything up. That's what it seems to say. So maybe to some degree. On the other hand, the Medrash does say that Moshe became the greatest speaker in the whole world. That's what it says. Yes, sir, Mikol Bayolam. Okay, but that's not what tonight's analysis is. Tonight's analysis is Moshe Rabbeinu is so shocked by Rabbi Kiva's scholarship that he tells Hashem, he should be the one to take us out of Mitzrayim? What's the connection, one and the other? What's the connection? Look at number three. Number three is the Yalkut Shemoni this week. Yalkut Shemoni was written about 800 years ago to Shimon of Frankfurt, and he collects from all places of Chazal, uh, Gemara, Medrash, and many things we don't have today in the original source, so we only know it from him. And in this week, he says the same thing, so it's a clear Yalkut Shemoni. In number three, that Shagula Kodesh Baruch Moshe Hashem revealed to Moshe all the secrets of the Torah, all secrets of wisdom. He showed him what's going to be in the future. And Moshe saw we're in the third line, the Pargut Shalakosh he saw in the domain of God. Kittis, Kittis of Sanhedrin, groups of the Sanhedrin. They were sitting in the Lishkas Hagosis, the part of the Beis Hamikdash. It could probably mean the Beis Hamikdash in heaven. And they were Dershim the Torah 49. And 49 different directions. And then Hashem showed him Rabbi Akiva, who was expounding the crowns of the letters. So Omar Moshe said the same thing. 
I should not represent the Ebishta anywhere. Please God, send Rabbi Kiva to take us out of Mitzrayim. And it says the same thing over here. What did Hashem do? He called the angel in charge of wisdom who took Moshe and he showed him all the people learning, all the people, um, millions and millions of people, billions of people of souls learning Torah, and they were all saying, that these ideas we know, because Moshe received them in Har Sinai, and right away Moshe was appeased. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, this is not a big chiddush of the Oasis to Rabbi Kiva, the Yalkut Shemaini, it's a clear Gemara in Menachas. So I'm here to, to read the Gemara Menachas with you, and show you that actually the Gemara is not saying the same thing as the Medrash, in case you were thinking that. You're all thinking that, okay. Well look at number one. Number one is a Gemara in Menachas, Dav Chavtes, a famous Gemara, Omar Rav Rav said, when Moshe ascended heaven, he found the Eibishter, this is when Moshe is in Har Sinai, he spent 120 days up in the clouds. He sees the Eibishter who is sitting and tying crowns to the letters of the Torah. So Armor Lafana, we're number one, the third line. Moshe says, Who tells you what to do? Why are you writing all these crowns on the letters being so meticulous? What do they represent? So Hashem says, Adam Echad Yesh is going to be a guy. Sha'asid Liyos Pesoyf Kamadars in many years to come. Akiva ben Yosef, his name's Akiva, the son of Yosef, right? Rabbi Akiva's father was Yosef the Ger. Throughout Shas, Rabbi Akiva is referred to as Akiva ben Yosef. And the Arizal once said it's because Rabbi Akiva was a Gilgul of Yosef HaTzadik. And to hint to that, we. Uh, referred to him as Akiva ben Yosef. His father was Yosef, but to hint to the fact that there's a Gilgal of the original Yosef. Anyhow, back to the Gemara. Asid Lidro shall call kites for kites on every little scratch on top of the letters, till and till and piles of halachas. So Hashem tells that to Moshe when he's on the on Har Sinai. So Moshe says, Shalom, show him to me. Hashem says, go behind you. This is the time machine. The original time machine. Hashem says, go back. He's really going forward. Halach Moshe went, v'yashav b'soif shmoin ashudas. Moshe finds himself in the base medrash of Rabbi Akiva. Okay, nobody asks what he's doing and no one asks his name. He's sitting in the back, the back row. V'loi ha'ya yedea mahen oimim. Moshe... There's a Moshe, once the Magid of Mizritch was saying a mimer, and the Altarebbe saw a young man walk in in middle. Someone he had never seen before. The guy came in for the mimer, and after the mimer he left, and that was it. So Al-Tarebbe asked some of the older students of the Magid, who was that person that came in? And everyone told them, what are you talking about? We didn't see anyone walking in the middle of the mimer, no one came in. So Al-Tarebbe realized he was the only person in the entire room who saw him. So he mustered up the courage and he asked the Magid of Mizrich. And the Magid said, you saw him? That was the Arizo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> so like a similar thing. I don't know, it depends how meduyuk, depends, depends how meduyuk the story is, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe he said, fortunate are you that you're able to see him. You don't know exactly the way the Magid sang the words, you know, yeah, we don't know. Exactly, how we say, it's all about the trap, right? Anyhow, Toshash Koichai. So Moshe doesn't understand what Rabbi Kiva is saying. So he feels uh, he's lost. Kivan Shigiya, the Dover Echad, 
one issue came up in the shir, and the Talmidim asked Rabbi Kiva, Rebbe, Menayin Lucha, how do you know this? Omer Lehen, so Rabbi Kiva says, Halacha Lameisha Misinai. I know this, it go back to Moshe. <laughs> so Nisyash Vedaita, Moshe was appeased. Now the, the Pashtus is that this story happened in the first 40 days that Moshe was in Har Sinai. And he was hearing things from Rabbi Akiva that he wasn't aware himself because he didn't let, yet learn them. So when he hears Rabbi Akiva tell the student, don't worry, this idea, I didn't make it up, it goes back to Moshe. Moshe realized, oh, I'm going to be taught it soon. I'm going to be taught it soon. In other words, this was in the early, Moshe was up there for 120 days. This would have been in the early stages of that. Okay, But either way, so Moshe was appeased. He comes back to God. He says, such a person. I'm the one to give the Torah. Moshe didn't say he should be the one to take the Jews out of Egypt. He said, if this guy is a master over the Torah, he should be the one to give it. You're giving Torah through me? So Amr Hashem said, Shtoik, be quiet. This is my thought, and, and there's, there's, uh, there's no room for questioning. So Amr Lafon of his Moshe said, He showed me his Torah. Show me his, his reward. Hashem said, you want to see his reward? I'll show you. Go back in the time machine. He went behind and he saw that they were peeling off his flesh with iron, uh, with iron rakes. They were peeling off his flesh. He said, that's Torah and this is the reward? Hashem said the same response, be silent. This was my thought. Menachem Azari of Pano, the great Kabbalist, this is on the side. The Ramemi Pano, we quote him very often, the great Kabbalist in the 1500s in, uh, in Italy. He says, you know what the Pshat is? The Gemara in Baruch says when Rabbi Kiva was dying, he was saying Shema, and the student said, Rebbe, you're saying Shema as they're killing you? Like, Ad Khan. Rabbi Kiva said, Fakert. My whole life was I was waiting. It says you have to love Hashem with your whole heart, with your whole soul. That means even when he kills you, you have to love him. And Rabbi Kiva says, I, I was waiting, waiting my whole life for the time where I can die for the Ebishter and fulfill this mitzvah of loving him while he takes my life. So Rabbi Kiva desired this end. So that Amemi Pano says, you know what Hashem told Moshe? Kach Olob This went up in Rabbi Kiva's mind. This is what Rabbi Kiva desired. That's how the Ramemi Pano reads this Gemara, that that the Abish is exactly. He told Moshe Shtoik, "Kach In front of me, I see Rabbi Kiva's thought. Rabbi Kiva desired this. Rabbi Kiva desired this. Fascinating, fascinating. Careful what you wish for, huh? One other that thing on this, him, right? Exactly. Time. That's yeah, yeah. So why is this not the same as, as the, the reason is because he, at a different time. Because no, later no, because Moshe's request over here was if Rabbi Kiva is such a big gone, let him give the Torah. That makes right, sense. Because this was by Matan Torah. The Menachos was by Matan Torah. Beseder, fine, this fine. Was way before. Was okay, before okay. Yeah. But the Gemara never says that because Rabbi Kiva was a big gone, Moshe felt he should be the one to take us out of Mitzrayim. Yisrael was already passed. Beseder, fine, but the fact is you don't find this idea in the Gemara. In the Medrash, in the Yalkut Shemir, in the Isis Rabbi Kiva, you find that Moshe said, Shlach no biyad tishloch, referring to Rabbi Kiva. And the question is, what's the connection? Because Rabbi Kiva is a big Rosh Hashiv, you should take us out of Mitzrayim? What's the connection? A Rebbe takes you out of Mitzrayim. Right. Meaning, 
You know, they once asked the Rashpat, who was a teacher of the Rebbe Rashab and the Friedrich Rebbe, Rishmu Batsal, they asked the Rashpat, um, do you think the Rebbe Rashab has Ruach HaKadosh? He said, I don't know. He said, the Rebbe Rashab is a Rebbe. If a Rebbe needs Ruach HaKadosh, he'll have Ruach HaKadosh. If, a, if to be a Rebbe, he needs to possess Ruach HaKadosh, then he'll have it. If a Rebbe doesn't need it, he won't have. It's not Negea. A Rebbe is a Rebbe. I have a strong riot for this, actually, from an Abar Benel in his Sefer, Mifala Selekim. You see, the Ralbag said it's impossible that the story of the son stopping by Yeshu is literal. He had all sure about this, remember? But uh, the Ralbag said it can't be literal because then Yeshua accomplished a greater feat than Moshe. But Moshe is the greatest Novi that ever lived. And how could it be Yeshua accomplished something even greater than Moshe? So the Barbanel says, what are you talking about? Miracles have nothing to do with the stature of the prophets. Miracles have to do with what's needed for the time. If in the times of Yeshua they needed to stop the sun and the moon, so that happened. If in the times of Moshe it didn't need to happen, it wouldn't have happened. These, these great things that happened do not um, reflect, reflect and indicate the true nature of the tzaddik. So the Rashpat is saying a similar idea. You know, Ruch HaKadoshir, he's a Rebbe. If he needs a lot, doesn't need, he won't have. Doesn't seem so. Seems like he was a... He probably was. He must have been. He must have been at the Ayesh. He must have been at the He wasn't like the... He was because he was he was the Vildebacher. You know, so, he but he, he was thought to be Mashiach also. No, but you have to be Hoyge again. He has to be a Lamda and he has to be a... There's, there's the Sukkim say about a Melech, a Melech has to learn to, to Sifrei Torah, right? In fact, the Rambam Paskins that a Melech has to be more dedicated to learning than anybody else. Mashiach is a Melech. Anyhow, back to what we were saying. So, you have a Rebbe, you have a Rosh Yeshiva. Rabbi Kiva is a great Rosh Yeshiva. Moshe witnessed that. So it makes sense Rabbi Kiva should be the one to give the Torah like the Gemara Menachah says. But what are these Medrashim talking about? Because he's such a gone in Torah, therefore he should take us out of Mitzrayim? One's a Rosh Yeshiva, one's a Rebbe. We had a class the other week, we called it the, the, the Rosh Yeshiva and the Hed Shliach. Now it's the Rosh Yeshiva and the Rebbe. They have to be the same person. So that's the shah, that's the shah, that's the shah. Uh, and we're going to give a very interesting answer to this question. What? In Gera, it's not. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will tell you, by the way, just w- before we go on, just one more thing on the Gemara and Menachas, that we know the ten Harugim Malchus, the ten Tanoim that the Romans killed were in place of the Shvatim that sold Yosef. And... One, the oldest question is, if only nine brothers sold Yosef, because Yosef is the victim, Binyamin wasn't there, Reuven wasn't there, according to the Medrash Rabbah. So you have nine people, why are there ten Harugim Malchus? And one of the answers the Arizal gives is that the Abish that joined in the Cherem. The brothers needed a minion to make a Cherem that no one should reveal to Yankiv what happened. The Abish is number ten. And Rabbi Akiva was in the place of the Abishter. Now, why was Rabbi Akiva in the place of the Abishter? So there happens to be a, an incredible medrash that says, when the brothers sold Yosef, they got 20 silver pieces, right? What? 20, 20 Esim Kesef. So there were nine brothers. Each of them got two silver pieces. It's 18. There's two extra pieces. What did they do with it? In one old manuscript, it says they took those two pieces and they threw it to the sky. And it fell, landed in the field. 
and the two pieces sat there for centuries and centuries, until a guy called Yo um, Yosef, who was a gear, wanted to betroth a nice Jewish girl. They were both extremely poor. He had no money. He's walking in the field. He finds them, the silver pieces. He buys her a pair of shoes, and he's makadasher with those shoes. Did I say the story here? Uh -oh. He was makadasher with those shoes. He said, here, you are betrothed to me. I got your new shoes. And from that, these were Rabbi Kiva's parents, and he was born from there. You see, what did the Shvatim do with the money they got from the sale of Yosef? They bought shoes. It says in Amos, they sold the Evian for shoes. So the nine brothers got shoes. That's 18 pieces. Where'd the other two go? The other two was God's stake. And they ended up bringing about the birth of Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva's in the place of the Ebishter. So Rabbi Shamshin of Ostropolia, the great Makuba, wanted to know why Rabbi Akiva from all the Tanoim was in place of God. Okay, he doesn't bring this cute story we just said. He gives a great rationale. Instead of Hashem. Why was Rabbi Akiva the Mokim of the Ebishter? So he gives a great rationale. He says there was a Tana called Shimon Ho'am Soni who went through the entire Torah and expounded every time it said the word S. Every time it said S, he expounded it. Until he came to the Pasuk, S Hashem You should fear something in addition to God. How could you fear something besides the Abishta, right? Like when the Baal Shem Tov was three years old, the last thing he heard from his father. Fear nothing besides the Abishta. How could you fear something else? So Shimon Ham Sunni said, you know what? I'm taking back all my shirim the last 20, 30 years. Delete the whole podcast. It's all, it's all, I'm wrong. Everything has been off. And Rabbi Kiva came and said, no, 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 no. S does come to include something here. It includes a Talmud Chacham. That a Talmud Chacham who's so pure, he has godliness residing within him. So you're not fearing something else besides Hashem. You're fearing the embodiment of God's revelation. A true Tamacham, a true Tzaddik, embodies a revelation of godliness inside of him. So you're fearing God. It's not something separate. Which means Rabbi Kiva came up with the idea that a person can be an embodiment of godliness. So therefore Hashem said, great, I needed someone to be in my place. You're going to do it. Because you're the first one and the only one who's created such an idea. That's the idea of Shamshan Osrapolia. <laughs> right. In other words, once you create, right. So, ah, oh, so that's what I want to say. The pshat over here is when Moshe said, Zu Torah v'zus chora, what Moshe was telling the Ebishti is, Zu Torah. Rabbi Akiva has the deepest understanding of what Torah is, what Torah can accomplish, that it can make a person a conduit for God. And because of that, he gets the result that he has to die a horrible death because in place of Hashem. <laughs> that, according to Rabbi Shamshan that could be the hidden meaning when Moshe said, this is the Torah, this is the reward. The simple meaning is he, he labors so hard in, in Torah and Mitzvahs and then he dies like this. The deeper meaning is Zut Torah, Rabbi Kiva had the deepest understanding in what Torah is. And because of that, he knew that a person could be in place of God and then he had to suffer those consequences and die a horrible death. Anyhow, okay. That's just, uh, I had to throw that in. But Akhoponim, our question is, what are these Medrashim talking about? Because Rabbi Kiva is the grace of God, you should take us out of Mitzrayim, what's going on? Okay. So, there's a very frightening statement in the Zoyer. 
The Zoya says we were supposed to be in Mitzrayim 400 years. We were only there for 210 years. Where's the other 190? So the Mepharshim discuss either Koshe Hashibut. It was so hard, the work was so hard day and night, so 210 years was equal to 400. Uh, there was a guy who was just uh, celebrating his 50th anniversary. I told him, what do you mean, you only married 30 years? He said, yeah, but Koshe Hashibut. <laughs> According to most Medrashim, the 400 years is still true. It's from when Yitzchak was born. Yitzchak was, bo <laughs> Yitzchak was born in the year 2048 from creation, because Avram is born in 1948, and he was 100 when Yitzchak was born, 2048, and exactly 400 years we le later we left Mitzrayim. So the 400 years is true, because when Yitzchak was born, Avram was promised to own Eretz Yisrael, yet he, you know, he was living there like a, 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 an alien, as a... Um, Ephraim dementia is a stranger, so the exile had begun. The Zoyer says, you know, that's, that's a very nice shot, but the Zoyer says we were supposed to suffer 400 years. We didn't, only 210. The Zoyer says the extra 190, the Eibishter kept in Cheshben. And, you know, the seven years of the Holocaust, the years of the Inquisition, the years of the Crusades. <laughs> All the 190 years of the horrific uh, persecution has been spread out over the 2,000 years of Golos. Very, very scary idea. So, so we have a, a shear from a long time ago. Yeah. No, so if you're saying he goes from Avraham Avinu, yes. Yeah, so it's the Pasha's 4.30 from the Brisbane and he was 70. So that makes sense. The Pirkei Drabelezer, yeah, okay, that, that's the, that's, Rashi goes with Chumash and Parshas Boy, that's from the, from Rabbi Yossi in the Seder Olam. The Pirkei Drabelezer, who's was even earlier, Tain is a different Cheshben. The Pirkei Drabelezer holds Avram wasn't 70 by the Brisbane Absarim. But the 430 is like this, he says, the Yidin were Mitzrayim 210 years, but five years before Yankov came, Yosef already gave birth to Menashe and Ephraim. And the Golos began then, so it's 215. And because the Yidin worked by day and by night, you double 215, and it gets you 430. Wow. So not that it goes back to the Brisbane Absalom, because according to Pirkei de Lezer, it didn't happen when Avram was 70. That's only according to Rabbi Yossi in the Seder Elam, which is, uh, okay, is a good source in his own right. And we spoke about that. By the Bnei Ephraim, by the Ephraim who... That Ephraim had to come to Israel twice. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. That all goes with the Seder Elam. Anyhow, so back to back to our discussion. So according to the Zoyar, the fact that we left early, you know, was kind of to our detriment. We've been paying it back ever since. So why Taka did the Ebi should take us out early? So we know the Yidin were sunk in 49 gates of Tumah, 49 gates of impurity. And had we left a moment, had we stayed a moment later, then we would have reached the point of never returning. In fact, this is brought in Kabbalah, but the Rebbe says it's hinted in the Mechilta, which is a halachic medrash. Okay, this is a word from the Rebbe to stick it in. There is a Mechilta in Parsha's boy that says, in the essence of this very day, Hashem took us out of Egypt. What does it mean in the essence? Exactly 400 years after Yitzchak was born. Yitzchak was born on Pesach, the 15th of Nisan. Exactly 400 years to the second, we left Mitzrayim. And the Mechilta says the moment that the alarm rang, 
Hashem didn't hold us back, fine like the blink of an eye. It was a rush. So the Rebbe, the Rebbe wants to know, according to the Mechilta, why did there have to be such a rush? Okay, the time was out, you know. The Gemara says already six months before we left Egypt, the servitude stopped. You know, so what, what was the big rush? Stay a couple more hours. The Rebbe says it must be the Mechilta is hinting to what it says in Kabbalah. Had we stayed in Egypt another moment, it would have been too late. That's the urgency. That's the urgency. Okay, it's interesting because uh, otherwise, Alpinigla, what's the rush? The servitude had stopped. Life was actually getting good. <laughs> and I go to the desert. Life was finally. That's why many Yidin, by the way, in Mak- many Yidin didn't want to leave. Hashem had to get rid of them in Makas Cheshach. Why? Life was finally good. After years and years of suffering, finally we're on top, and now you're taking us out? Anyhow. So the idea is that we were in the 49th gate of Tumah, and a, a moment later we would have been lost forever. So the Shail is why? Why Taka is the 50th gate so uh, frightening? So the Mukubalim say, just like there are 50 gates of Tumah, there's 50 gates of Kedusha. In Gemara, they refer to the 50 gates of Bina, Nun Shari Bina. It's 50 corresponding to 50. And in order to get out of the 50th gate of Tumah, you need the power of the 50th gate of Kedusha. Here's the problem. Moshe Rabbeinu only had 49 gates. So, the Gemara says, the Gemara says in <coughs> Rosh Hashanah, Tavchof Aleph, 50 <coughs> gates of wisdom were created in the world, and 49 gates were given to Moshe. Only 49. The Ramban writes in the commentary in his uh, Hakdama to Chumash, Ramban writes in Hakdama to Chumash that he thinks the 50th gate is a territory of God. Loy Nimsa was not given over to any creation. It belongs to uh, It's the Abishta's, you know, it's the uh, area, and there's no domain, realm, and it, the, those secrets, those ideas, that power, was was is completely off limits from any human. That's what the Ramban says, and he bases it on this Gemara in Rosh Hashanah that there's 49 gates of wisdom that were given to Moshe. He didn't have access to the 50th. 50th is God's domain. Okay, that's what the Gemara with the Ramban seems to say. However, look at number four. This is from the Lekutetayda of the Arizal. Okay, usually Bachsidim Lekutetayda is the Al Rebbe. But the truth is, there's a sefer called the Kutta Torah from the Arizal. It's not written by the Arizal. The Arizal wrote nothing. But from the Arizal students, so many of the Arizal students wrote things. The Arizal gave authority, seemingly sole authority, to Reb Chaim Vital, Reb Chaim Vital alone, as Reb Chaim Vital testifies. And he says, to I and only I received permission to record the teachings of my master. And Reb Chaim Vital wrote many, many, many things. It's interesting because Reb Chaim Vital did not want to give anybody access to his teachings. In contrast to the Darizal had a student, Rabbi Yisrael Saruk, who traveled around the world teaching people the Kabbalah of the Arizal. In contrast, Chaim Vital says, I'm the only one that was given permission to write, and he kept his manuscripts to himself. We know that before Chaim Vital passed away, some of the other Kabbalists, they're known as the Gurei Ha'ari. The Ari is the lion, the Gurei are the cubs. 
The Arizal students were nicknamed the Cubs, the Gude Ha'ari, the Cubs of the line. They broke into Chaim Vital's study. <laughs> they got hold of the manuscripts and they said, listen, you, you, know, you, can't be the only one, you can't be the one to say I'm the only one that could write and then, you know, and hug it to yourself. They, they copied whatever they could, but it was only a certain amount, you know. So most of Reb Chaim, or much of Reb Chaim Vital's writings, he stayed with him till he passed away. What happened after? When he passed away, most of those Ksavim went to his son, Reb Shmuel Vital, we're going to talk about soon. Some of the writings were buried with Reb Chaim Vital literally in the grave. In the grave. And it was only years later when Avroh Mazulai, the Chidoz, El to El and some others. He was the one who went to the Marasamah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avroh Mazulai, who was a student of Chaim Vital, Avroh Mazulai, the Chidoz, Zayda, Zayda, starts off in Morocco. Um, in 1570, roughly, and he loves Kabbalah, but there wasn't so much available. He said, I'm going to Tzvaz. Chaim Vital was still alive. Actually, Chaim Vital was then in Damascus. But uh, he studied, so he studied a bit by Chaim Vital, and later on, Chaim Vital came to him in a dream and said, yeah, you can open up the caver and take out the manuscripts. So some of the stuff was literally in the caver, and it had rotted away, so, you know, it was, uh, so the Kabbalists really had to make sense. But to most of Chaim Vital's writings were in the hands of his son, Shmuel Vital. And some of his writings had already been copied over, you know, when they broke into his study, so to speak, while Chaim Vital was alive. There is a lot of confusion about all of these writings. What exactly was taken to the grave? What was copied over by his, uh, his contemporaries? What exactly he left to his son, Shmuel? There's quite a bit of confusion, at least I'm, I'm quite confused. The Chidor has a long piece about it, and it's Shem Magdolim, and many Kabbalists have written about it. Why does it matter? What, where the... No, because some of the works of Chaim Vital were reworked by other Kabbalists. So we don't know exactly how many times they were reworked, how true are they, you know, how much of it is Chaim Vital's actual pen. How much telephone? Right. How much is it based, you know, based on the works of the Lubavitcher Rebbe? You know, you know what that means? It could be a major, yeah. major spectrum based on the works of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So that's what happened here, based on the works of Chaim Vital. But the Rabbeim said very clearly, whatever Shmuel Vital put out yeah, is perfect, is perfect. The sun, whatever the sun. Shmuel Vital put out, the sun, is perfect, right. No, because Shmuel Vital wrote lots of his own svarim. Lots of his own svarim. He was a major Kabbalist on his own right. But whatever he writes... Um, that he says he got from his father, we, you know, it's the, the, uh, a great, great source. <laughs> the Rabbeim says, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that, this is the, yeah. No, so Eitz Chaim, Eitz Chaim, the pretty much Chaim Vital put together. But, but he didn't, Chaim Vital didn't want it to be publicized while he was alive. So parts of it were copied by his friends, and uh, I'm pretty certain that Ultimately, it was, it was published by his son, but pretty much untouched or put in order. Shmuel Vital writes, my father's writings were, he said, my father, everything was clear. But anyone else reads these things, nothing makes sense from, not, it's all disjointed, disjointed majorly. And he had to make, uh, make sense out of it. The son, the but make an order, make a seder out of it but not necessarily touch the actual ideas. And so there's lots of talk about this. But Akoponim, a number for Likuta Torah is... Um, so Shmuel Vital is, I put this out, it's um, 
Chaim Vital, quoting the Arizal. Fine, like all the other stuff. Look what it says in number four. It's in Lukutta Torah, Parshas Veschanon. And it says the following. The Kaidim Shechatu Yisrael, before the Yidden sinned, before the golden calf, Moshe was betachlis, Moshe was complete. Hayamasik Shar Hanun. Moshe had the 50th gate in the beginning. The 50th gate is not just another gate. The 50th gate is the greatest. In some places it says the 50th gate is greater than the first 49 combined. It's the realm of God. And Moshe, Moshe was able to comprehend. That was before the sin. When we sinned by the golden calf, so Moshe only had it maybe for Matan Torah. He had it for 40 days. When we sinned by the eagle, what? Yeah. yeah, it was hidden, it was concealed. And that's what Hashem means, lech raid. Hashem told Moshe in Kisisa, lech go raid descend. Lech is gematria 50. Lech raid means descend from 50. Right, now you no longer have the 50th. Kishiches amcha, because your nation has been destructive. Raid lech, go down from the 50. Okay, that's the result. V'zeh this is what the Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah, 50 gates of Binah were created in the world. They were all given to Moshe except for one. That's the statement of the Gemara. Very strange. Why doesn't the Gemara say, Hashem created 50, he gave Moshe 49. No, they were all given to Moshe minus one. Why say that in the roundabout? Because they were all given to Moshe, all 50. And then it went minus one. That's how he reads the Gemara. Pirish, Mikara, what? Yeah. So that's why the, the Gemara says they were all given to Moshe, because they were all given. And then Nebuchadnezzar. Mikara, Shaloi Haya. Okay, that's probably uh, meant to be with the uh, Vav. He had all 50. Right. Correct. Exactly. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Saying the Vav is Then he lost out. Now the Apostle, the Gemara says, what's the proof Moshe only got 49? It says until him, Hashem, you, you uh, lessened him me'at, a little bit me'lekim from being God. He's lacking only ma'at. The Gemara proves from there, that means he got 49 out of the 50. He's missing ma'at. So says the Arizal, me'at me'elekim means a little bit of elekim, the first part, the aleph, which is one. V'hu ais aleph. Ma'at me'elekim is missing a drop from the name elekim, the first drop, the aleph, which is gematria one, one gate. Or says Arab Pirushoi, you have to read like this, v'techasreyu. You lowered him big time from God because ma'at, all he has is ma'at can be read mat, memtes, 49. If you ignore the ayin, which is like a vowel, you have 49. You, you cause him to lose a lot. He only had 49. Like it says, don't read ma'at el mat. Wherever it says that. Okay. Now why is 49 considered garnish? Because compared to the 50th, which is the greatest of all of them, the 50th gate, like we said, could be greater than the first 49 together. Or at least it's the greatest gate by far. So you said, You lowered Moshe because Ma'at, all he has now is the 49. Continues, Now, the Arizal is talking here 
Who caused the Egel Azov, the Erev Rav? Whose idea was it to accept them? Moshe. So Moshe kind of shot himself in the leg. But says the Arizal Moshe had good intentions. When, he, 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 Moshe, when Moshe took the aid of Rav, it, wasn't, it was for perfect intentions. Let them join. Loimon Hashem did not hold back the good. When Moshe was about to pass away, it says, Vayal Moshe, Moshe ascended from Arvas to the mountain of Nevoi. The mountain is called Nevoi. Nunboi. He got the 50th. Venichnas Hanun Bishmoi, he got the 50th. And he, can, he, he went from Moshe to Neshama. Yeah, Moshe, you add the 50, becomes Neshama. And it's known Neshama is equal to Bina, the 50th gate of understanding. Okay. By the way, the al Tadeba in a Mimer says he heard from the Magid of Mizrich that when Moshe went to the mountain of Nevoi, Nevoi is Nunboi, that he finally got the 50th gate. So al Tadeba says he heard from the Magid. It seems to be clear over here. Now, Arizal doesn't say clearly Nevoi is Nunboi, but that's what he's uh, that's what he's referring to. That what, what the Al-Turebbe quotes from the Magid Lechayr is clear here in the Arizal. But either way, look at the last why that, line. Why is that problematic? No, no it's, it's just... It's, it's, no, no. Where would the Magid get it from? I no, but why so. is he... Usually the Al-Turebbe quotes the Magid it's for something that... you know, Why is he quoting... Yeah, something that's... Uh, I don't know. <coughs> Unless it's something the Maggid would speak about often, and that's why the Al-Tarebbe mentioned. But if it's like a one-off thing you heard from the Maggid, and Arizal already says it... He doesn't say the exact thing. I know. <laughs> He's quoting the Pasuk. He says, Nun boy, the Nun went into his name. Yeah, he gave him the Shama. I would say I was saying both things. The first thing he, he expects you to realize on your own, the boy is Nun... Okay, I don't know. I don't know. It could taka be? I, it could be. There's much more to it. It could be taka that maybe they're not saying the exact same thing. It could be there's yeah, a difference. More cryptic or more alluding to it, whereas it right. seems like Magid said it straight up. No, it could be Rabbi Korfer saying the nun. Arizal saying it entered into his name, whereas the Magid says nun boy into his essence. I don't know. Maybe there's a difference of how the fiftieth gate affected the rest of Moshe's understanding. I don't know. It could be much deeper than than we than we can tell. The Arizal finishes here a whopper. This is why in Nach there's a guy called Yehoinasen ben Gershon ben Menashe. The pestle of Micha, the shrine of Micha. In Micha's shrine, there was a priest by the name of Yehoinasen, the son of Gershon, the son of Menashe. And it actually refers to Moshe. It was Moshe's grandson. The Gemara Babasha talks was Moshe's grandson. And in fact, where it, when it says the word Menashe, the nun is small. Right. To tell, hint, it's really Moshe. We call him Menashe to save face, as if, ah, Menashe. But the Gemara says it's Moshe. And we call the Menashe, you know, so no one should know who it is. But the secret's out, it's really Moshe. But why is the nun small? Says that Arizal, you'll never believe it. When Moshe passed away, he got the 50th gate. But when his Enukul became the priest, Moshe lost it again. In heaven, in heaven. Shebechetoi nistalek hanun min Moshe's kenoi. That when he sinned, the nun, the nun was lost from his aid to Moshe. Now, Chorah means the name, because he, he became Neshama with a full nun. Here the nun is small, but Chorah reflects the fact that uh, something was removed from Moshe in heaven. 
Look at number five. The Shalos says the same thing. The Shalos says, La'achar Moshe, after Moshe passed away, Nisala Moshe, Moshe was elevated by Yoivel HaElyon. Yoivel is 50. The eternal Yoivel is the 50th gate. That's Bina. Who is that? Shalom. That's the Shalos. The awesome. Parshas Veschanan. That's the Shalos. Right. So, it's, there happens to be lots of... Uh, Confusion. There's a Urachaim in Parshas Akev. He says, Vahoya Akev Tishmu'un is Vahoya Akev Tishmu'un That in the end, Tishmu'un you'll be able to understand the 50th gate. Okay, so that would hint to the same idea as the Shalah and the Arizal. In the end, in the end, Moshe got it. If you look at number six, the Chidah, this is in his Sefer Dvash Lafi. He quotes from Rabbi Yaakov Tzemach. <coughs> Rabbi Yaakov Tzemach was a major Kabbalist and was a student of Shmuel Vital, the main student of Shmuel Vital. And uh, he actually grew up in a Christian family from Morocco. A Yidin that had converted under duress. And the Rebbe spoke about him and said, this guy grew up as a Christian, didn't learn a word of Judaism till he was, for, well, for many years. Until finally he jumps into learning. He spends another year, till, a couple of years, till he masters Nigla, a couple of years until he became a master of Kabbalah. He wrote many Svarim in Kabbalah, and he was involved in those manuscripts that were taken out of Chaim Vital's caver, and, and he worked on them, and he writes about it. And the Rebbe says, You see, no one could ever say, Who am I? Look at my background. I don't have a Shaykhis. This guy spent 20 years of his life knowing nothing except for Christianity, and he became a chief Kabbalist. So the Marit Semach says that Moshe Rabbeinu hisig shar echod minun sha'odim shal shar hanun. The Rabbi Yankov Semach says the 50th gate itself has 50 gates. Moshe Rabbeinu got one gate from the 50 gates within the 50th gate. So there's always what to grow, always what to climb. How in the world does this help us at all? Because it's a Medrash Tanchum in number seven. It's a very startling statement in the Medrash. It's also found in Medrash Rabbah, but this is a copy from the Tanchum in Parshas Chukas. Uksiv, it says like this. It's Kofitz Vaazel, Kofitz Vaazel. Well, in the beginning, about the Shechina was jumping, yeah, jumping away. He was mishalach, he was moving away. Uksiv, so the Tanchumi is talking about the secret of Pora Aduma, which only Moshe knew. Shloima didn't know. Shloima said, I said, Echkema, right, the, the understanding, the, the, the behind, behind the scenes. Shloima said, Echkema, I wanted to be wise, but Rechoikeme, it's, it's far from me. But Hashem told Moshe, Lecho ani megala tam Pora, to you I reveal it. Anyway, so concerning that, the Tanchumi says like this, Uksiv, on that very day in the future, there will not be bright light, and neither darkness. It's talking about there's going to come a time, you know, where it won't be clear if Mashiach's going to come or it's going to be a, or a, a catastrophe. So it says here, Yikofun. Yikofun means. Kofu's homes, Kofu becomes like thick and congealed. Usually we translate Kipoin as darkness. One? Right, to congeal, to get thick. But it says, the, the Medrash here says, 
what was hidden from you in this world, it's going to be revealed to you in the future. Kahadein Samuel, like this blind man that suffered, that can finally see. When Mashiach comes, will be like blind men that can finally see. Yes, Hashem says, I will send, I will lead the blind in a path they do not know. In the path that they're not aware of, Adrichim, I will guide them. And Hashem says, I will turn the darkness in front of them to light and the crooked pathways to a straight path. These things, Asishim, I have done them. Wait a second, says the Medrash. That means Hashem is saying this idea that in the future the blind will see. The secrets that will be revealed have already happened at some point. It doesn't say I will do, rather I've done them. Shekvara Sisim to Rabbi Akiva and his friends. Whatever is going to be revealed in the future, Rabbi Akiva and his chaveim already got a dose. Oh, so you would think, like, why doesn't the Medrash just say, the fact that in the future we'll know the reason of the paradum, Hashem has already done, he saw, gave it to Moshe. But that's not what the Medrash's conclusion is. And then it says, Dover Acher, Dvarim things that were not told to Moshe, were told to Rabbi Akiva and his friends. Rabbi Akiva knew certain things that Moshe Rabbeinu never knew. Now I, the Rambam, says that one of the, the principles of faith is that Moshe Rabbeinu is the greatest prophet, both compared to those before him and those after him. This is not Nevuah, this is Chachmah. I, the Gemara says in Megillah Rabbi Akiva that uh, Moshe was the father of all wisdom. Okay, he was. But there were certain things that Rabbi Akiva knew that Moshe didn't know. What were they? It doesn't say. Paraduma Moshe did know. And then it says, that his eyes saw all of the, the preciousness. That's Rabbi Akiva and his friends. And that's more than Moshe. Why? Because Hashem told Moshe, showed Moshe. Hashem, Akiva yeah. and his friends. By the friends, you mean the students? Or are you talking about the contemporaries? The it's contemporaries. Either those. Or it's though the four of them that went into the orchard together, Ben Azai, Ben okay. Zayma, maybe them. Hashem showed Moshe the back of his tefillin. Rashi writes in Kisis, so Hashem showed Moshe metaphorically the back of tefillin. Now tefillin are called yukar. In Eve it says somebody saw the entire yukar, the entirety of Hashem's tefillin. So Rikiva saw the entirety of Hashem's tefillin, and Moshe only saw the back, whatever the tefillin represent. But he saw something that Moshe didn't see. So that implies that uh, the Ebishter presented himself in face? In talus and tefillin, yeah, like a chazan, yeah. It's a mushal, but somehow it, mi it mirrored that. So the whole story so of the Moshe seeing Rikiva learning stuff that he didn't know, and then and feeling bad about it? That was talking true in the end? No, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that could be Mamish like a time market. machine. That could be partially. No, but I mean, the, the, the whole idea was that later Moshe was going to know it, or it, that it all came from Moshe, but there is stuff there. Ah, the, ah, oh, oh, oh. But that's not stuff that Rabbi Kiva was telling in the Shir to all the students. That's Rabbi Kiva and his Chaverim. That's a good question. If, if Rabbi Kiva was revealing these secrets, then you could ask in the Gemara and Menachas, Moshe then had something to feel bad. Right, Moshe yeah, should not have been appeased at the end. But the Rebbe wasn't talking about that in the Shir. Oh, the Medrash doesn't identify what was it that Moshe 
did not know Rabbi Kiva did. So comes Rabbi Shmuel Vital, Rabbi Chaim Vital's son, Shmuel Vital. So Shmuel Vital is born in Damascus to his father in the end of the 1500s. Chaim Vital had a decent life uh, compared to the Arizal, lived for 38 years and then he died. Nebuch, there was a plague in Sfas, Rabbi Kiva, uh, the Arizal caught the illness and he was lying in bed, 38 years old. Chaim Vital lived more than double. He was born in 1542, passes away in 1620, so it's about 78 years old. And uh, he has a son, Shmu. The Chaim Vital's wife had a funny name, like Jimalo or something, some interesting Sephardic name. Anyhow, but they had a great son, Shmu. The Chaim Vital actually writes about a son that he had who passed away. Um, lots of interesting things. Sh- so Shmuel Vital lives in Damascus. And his father taught him everything. His father taught him Nigla. Chaim Vital was a big bald Nigla. Chaim Vital had authentic smicha that was recreated by Rabbi Yaakov Beirav. Only a few people got it. Chaim Vital got it from his Rebbe, the Alshich, who got it from Rabbi Yosef Kaira, who got it from Rabbi Yaakov Beirav himself. So Chaim Vital was a big Rav. And he taught his son Nigla and Kabbalah. And then Chaim Vital passed away when his son was only 22 years old. So look at number eight. Shmu Vital writes. So he had him at like 60 something? 50. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. In number eight, Shmu Vital writes, the Aleph Shin stands for Omar Shmu. Shmu said, this is in the end of Shar HaGilgulim. One of the works that he that he uh, um, disseminated from his father. Ad kan This is all I have in the kuntresim and the pamphlets of what transpired between my father and his Rebbe Darizal. Miyoim on the left. From the day that my father met him, Reb Chaim Vital spent less than two years with the Arizal. The Arizal came to Tzvas in order to teach Chaim Vital. The Arizal had been told in a dream while he was in... The Arizal spent, very quickly, the Arizal was born in Eretz Yisrael. His father passes away when he's young. His mother says, let's go live with my brother in Egypt. Mordechai Francis, a very wealthy tax collector. In Egypt, the Arizal spent more than 20 years there. He married his first cousin. He spent most of his life there. At 35, he has a dream. There's a, a, a messenger from the yeshiva of Rabbi Shimon Bar in heaven, tells Arizal, you got to go to Tzfas, you have to teach Chaim Vital, because in your last life he taught you. Because <coughs> Chaim Vital has, was, had the soul of Rabbi Akiva, the Arizal had the soul of Rabbi Shimon Bar Rabbi Akiva taught Rabbi Shimon Bar So now you gotta, now you got to give back. The Arizal came to Tzfas, Chaim Vital... The Arizal comes to Tzfas, the Ramak, the great Kabbalist, died a few weeks later, and Chaim Vital then left. He went to <coughs> Damascus, and the Arizal is haunting Chaim Vital in his dreams. Come to Tzfas, come. It took Chaim Vital months till he came. And uh, the Arizal was, was upset. And Chaim Vital comes to Arizal's room, and he says, Yeah, Yutaka, the great Kabbalist. He asked him, Pshat and Zoyer, a very difficult passage. And the Arizal gave him a whopping explanation. And Chaim Vital was, go, was going nuts. He said, okay, explain to me this piece of the Zayar. The Arizal said, sorry. Ad kan tchum Shabbos, he said. We've walked too far. I can't take you any further. 
He sent him out. Chaim Vital was dejected. He was despondent. He was crying, fasting, crying, sackcloth. And Arizal told him, really, because it took you a few months to get yourself over here, you should have to wait a bit longer. But I see you're a broken man. And he began to reveal to him the deepest secrets. <coughs> but the whole thing was about a year and a half that Chaim Vital had with Arizal. So says, says Shmuel Vital, I've written everything that I received from my father's writings, which is all the things he learned from the Arizal. From the day he met him, until the day that Arizal that, um, passed away. He says, it happened to me on the day my father passed away. Look at the bottom right. The gam hu omarli. Told me not to be afraid. Whatever I want, I should go to my father's cave. He'll reveal to me everything. He'll respond. It happened many times. I asked on his cave whatever I wanted, and he answered to me everything. That's what Shmuel Vital says about his father. Now, why are we quoting Shmuel Vital? Because he says a very important statement. But before I say statement, just to show you who this guy is and why we should trust him, look at the story on the next page. It's a very long story. I'm going to kind of uh, read it outside, do it quickly. It's an incredible Dibuk story, uh, but it's written by Shmuel Vital, and even at the end he signed his name. I didn't get it. It's in the end of Shara Gilgulim. Almost the end, end, end. It's a whopping story. This, it, Shmuel Vital ultimately. Listen, you are niggle is Sunday morning. This is uh, this is the occult. On uh, Shmuel Vital later in life left um, Damascus. He went to Mitzrayim. He went to Egypt. So Shmuel Vital says like this. I'm going to tell you what happened in Egypt. There was a woman, her name was Esther, the daughter of Yehuda Weiser, that she was possessed by a spirit and in lots of pain for over two months after she got married. So the people came to me, I was in Egypt, they said I should go visit her. I went to visit her and I found she's taka possessed. But I wasn't sure who's possessing her. Is it a mazik? Is it a mamasha? A, ne- a bad angel, or is it a demon who's more earthly, or is it uh, an evil spirit, Jewish spirit? So I told him to bring a certain goy. He uses the word palil. Palil usually means a judge. I think over here it means more than just a judge. It means so- an exorcist, because you'll see what happens. That should visit her in the taco went. And while this was happening, the spirits inside of her began to speak loudly and said, I'm a goy. And the reason I'm in this Jewish girl is because I desire her. It's very simple. That's it. No more chachmas to it. And while he was talking, he tells me, Shmuel Vital, that he hit me, he hit me hard on my, on, my, on my thigh in order that I shouldn't be able to walk so I wouldn't be able to come and spoil his, uh, <laughs> you know, while he's uh, enjoying his residency in her body. Finally, this Goyesha guy came, the exorcist came, and then the guy left and he claimed that he had secured the spirit of this evil spirit in a small flask and he buried it in the ground like he usually does. All of a sudden though there's another voice speaking from the girl's body and says Baruch Hashem the guy's out but now I'm here because I'm a Jew. 
Those that were with her, they went Meshuggah, they came to me and said, Shmuel, you got to come back. You got to come back. So he said that, uh, he said, I was very skeptical. He says, but I went back actually more for the respect those that came to call for me than, you know, he says, I came back. He says, I wasn't sure if this spirit to the Jewish spirit or still a mazik. I sat next to her and she was still like a rock covered in a white blanket. And I decided to throw out, throw out the words, Shalom al Yisrael. All of a sudden, the lips of the girl begin to move. And she says, Baruch Habo, thank you for coming. I said, are you Jewish? She said, yeah. So I said, say Shema Yisrael. And this voice, not the girl's voice, other voice began to say the whole Shema Yisrael. I began to speak with him. And he responded, whatever I asked, he answered. I asked, who are you? Where are you from? When did you die? Where are you buried? How long did you live? Why were you punished? What did you do wrong? Why did you come into this girl? What level of the soul are you? Who's in charge of you? Are you alone? Is someone watching over you? On everything, he gave me a proper answer. I didn't have to make any decrees on him, as is well known to those who do these things. You usually have to resort to that. But here, there was complying. You know, a witness was complying. So I asked him, what do you want? He tells me, I want you to be massacred my soul. Take me out of this body with your tremendous wisdom, because in heaven I know how great they hold you in heaven. So I said, really? If I'm so great, so why'd you hit, why'd you hit me on my leg? He says, no, that wasn't me. That was the Goyesha spirit. And also, he never hit you. He was making it up. He was just trying to make you crazy. None of us have any power to touch you. So I said, why'd you come haunt me in a dream? It was, it was Monday night. The night of Shiva Subhatamas, why'd you haunt me in the dream? And he says, Taka, I was there in your dream, but the one that was haunting you was the guy that was with me. It wasn't me, it wasn't me. The, con the, the conversation continues. And he's begging, he's imploring me if I can fix his soul, take him out of the body. I said, I will do it. I'm going to come back tomorrow. And the spirit says, please, please, I'm asking not just to help me, but to help this girl. I'm invading her body. If you free me, you free me, you free the girl as well. So he says, in the end, I made him swear that he would not cause pain to the girl. He wouldn't leave and then return. Apparently, some of these, they book him, they play games. Do not give any damage while you exit her, not to the girl, not to the family, not to anyone in the room, not to any Jew. And I don't want to see you again in Egypt. <laughs> you, go, you go straight to Gehenna. He says, no more... Don't hang around here in Mitzrayim anymore. You're going to Gehenna. There you'll be healed. And I made a chedem on him and all these things. And then I told him, I want when you leave to say the words Shalom Aleichem. And then we'll know that, that, that you've left. I called 10 Tamidich Chachamim. And I began to feel on, uh, on the body, the pulse. I touched the pulse of the girl. This guy's spirit's in her body. And he said, I said certain psukim and I had certain kavanas in mind. And then he started responding by moving the lips of the girl's body. He quotes all the things that he said. And then Shmuel Vital gives a special tefillah to the Eibishter davening to heal this guy's neshama, to heal the guy's soul. And he went through his name and the girl's name. And then I said, Hashem, Hashem, Karachon, V'chanun. And he finishes off by saying, Yeah, 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 there's a shoifer, sure, sure. And then... And then we said, say it, say it, say, leave, leave, leave. 
And as that happened, all of a sudden, the girl's left foot went up in front of everybody. And from the pinky toe, in all the stories of the pinky toe comes from here, from the pinky toe of her foot, the soul left, and there was a sock, it screamed. And it said, Aleichem Shalom three times, that was the deal. And I told him, go in peace, go in peace, go in peace. All of a sudden, the girl wakes up. She looks at me, and she's embarrassed. She said, what's everyone here for? She had no idea from anything that happened. She kissed my hand, you know, Sfardim, and she ate and drank, and happily ever after. Okay. Now, what does Shmuel Vital say? Okay, Shmuel Vital writes in one of the, I didn't put, didn't get on paper. He says, wait a second. If the Medrashim say to be given knew something that Moshe didn't know, that's the process of elimination. There's only one thing Moshe didn't know, the 50th gate. It must be Rabbi Kiva knew the 50th gate. That must be. In fact, the Chidor writes, it says, we saw number seven, that Rabbi Kiva saw all of the glory. Curl is Gematria 50. He saw the glory of the 50th gate. Something that Moshe didn't see. Oh. He lost. He had it, but lost. Okay, but while, but right, we saw in number six, it could be only had a little bit, which, um, which, by the way, explains also, it answers why Rabbi Akiva was in the place of God. The Shaila we asked before, so Shamshan Ostropoli gave his answer because he said that Tzaddik can be a conduit for the Ebishter. Here, the, the Ramban says the 50th gate is the realm of God. The Ramban writes in his introduction to Chumash. If Rabbi Akiva comprehended it, that means he is in the realm of God. And that's also the Pshat. Moses, that, that's the Torah and that's the reward. Because he got the deepest levels in Torah and is on the Abisha side of the fence, now he has to suffer in the place of God. Oh. So the Chidor writes in his Sefer Simchas Haregel, it's to say on Pesach, the Rebbe calls it a lot in his Agoda. He says, Ah, do you know why the Yidin had to leave Mitzrayim before they went in the 50th gate? Why was there an urgency, leave, 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 before you reached the, 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 cross the red line? Because Moshe only had 49 gates of Kedusha. If you have 49 gates of Kedusha, you can be rescued 49 gates of Tumah. If you want to be rescued from the 50th gate, you need someone who has the 50th gate of Kedusha. So that's why Moshe says, Eibishter, you want me to take them out now, they're leaving early. Those 190 years, they're going to have to make up in 2,000 years of exile. Let them do it now. So Hashem said, I can't. They're going, to be, they're going to wallow in the 50th gate. How are they going to go out? He says, Rabbi Akiva. Because he's the big Rosh Yeshiva, that's why he's the guy to take them out. Because now they can do their time now. They won't have to wallow 2,000 years of exile. They'll go in the 50th gate. But if you have someone who has the 50th gate of Kedush, you could take him out. So that's the whole thing the Chidor writes in the Sefer Simchas Haregel. And he says, now you understand this whole idea. And actually he says, Shlach no biyad tishloch. If you write Rosh if you like Rosh Tevis, Shlach no biyad tishloch. There's a shin. There's a be, there's a nun. There's a base. There's a tough. Shin nun base tough. Nun base tough is nun fifty. I'm sorry. Nun base shin is nun share bino. Tough is now they could be there four hundred years. So it's the Rosh Tevis. Because there is a 50th gate of wisdom in the hands of Rabbi Akiva, they could be there 400 years. So that is how 
the Chidor explains. I will tell you one thing just for a moment, if you want to hear, that Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, it's not that bad. No, no. The Gemara says Rabbi Kiva was learning if a woman takes an oath, right? Unbeknownst to her, her husband annuls the oath. She doesn't know that. She thinks the oath is binding and she violates the nether. The Pasuk says, Hashem Yislach Hashem has to forgive her. So Rabbi Kiva says, Gemara in Kedushin, <laughs> She, she thought she was doing a sin. In reality, there was no oath. Her husband had dissolved the oath. <coughs> Nonetheless, she needs slicha from Hashem. Imagine if somebody wants to sin and actually does sin. And Rabbi Kiva was crying when he said this. So everyone said, why was Rabbi Kiva from all the Tanoim crying? <coughs> so Rabbi Yosef Engel explains, in his Sefer, Gilyoyne Ashas on the Gemara, Rabbi Yosef Engel says, that the Shvatim wanted to harm Yosef, but ultimately turned out for the best. They were like someone who intended to <coughs> sin, but in the end, things turned out right. So when Rabbi Akiva sees from the story of the woman in the nether in Parshas Matas, that just for an evil thought, right, you need kapara, so Rabbi Akiva realizes, oh boy, what's going to be for us? That means we're going to have to, we're going to have to suffer the consequence for our actions. That's Rabbi Yosef but he says, but why Dafka Rabbi Akiva over, uh, Rabbi Hanina ben Trajan could have cried, all the Harugim Malchus could have cried over the same idea, why him? So Rabbi Yosef Engel says that many Mukubalim the Megala Mukus others say that Rabbi Akiva is a Gilgal of Shimon. Shimon, the, the Shimon. Shimon, the son of, of, of Yaakov Shimon. and Leah. And that's why Zimri ben Solu, the Nasi of Shimon, caused 24,000 Jews to die. Rabbi Kiva has 24,000 students that die. Shimon was the one that threw Yosef in the pit. Right. So they, No, only one of them threw him in the pit. Yeah. He says Shimon threw him in the pit. And that's why... You know why Rabbi Kiva cried? Who from the ten Harugi Malchus suffered the most? Rabbi Kiva. Why did he suffer the most? Because he's in the place of Shimon, who was the mastermind behind the crime. So says Rabbi Yosef Engel, that's why Rabbi Kiva was the one who cried when he learned that story in Matas. <laughs> that if that he didn't cry, that he no, was happy. No, we just said that, well, he was, well, that he was the Ebershter's instead. No, but he still suffered, he suffered. Mm -hmm. He suffered the worst, the worst pain. That's not a contradiction. No, no. What? But he said that he was instead of Hashem. Oh, okay, Shkoya. Hello, there's many different answers. It's a different approach, a different approach, different approach. But Rabbi Yosef Engel is saying, that Rabbi Akiva from all the other Tanoim cried because he knew he's, good, he's going to suffer more than them because he's Shimon, who was the instigator of the crime against Yosef. So when he saw that you get punished just for an evil thought, he said, oh boy, what's going to happen with us? He's also the Gilgal of Yosef. So Two different opinions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but here's the thing. The fact is we know that part of the reason that we were stuff, stuck in Egypt so was because of the, the sin, pit. was because... <laughs> Was, <laughs> was because of the sin of the selling of Yosef. Because we sold Yosef, Mechiris Yosef was ultimately yeah, part of the reason we had to languish in Egypt. So if Shimon's the instigator of the so sin, should, should, should you count the years? If the Shimon's the instigator of the sin, Egypt? it makes sense that he should be the one to rectify it. So going with Rabbi Yosef Engel and the Megal Amukas that Rabbi Kiv is talking the place of Shimon, he has the soul of Shimon. So he should be the one to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim because he should rectify the mess that he made. Yeah.
And yeah, but that's not from the Chidot. The idea of the Chidot yeah, is Dafka Rabbi Yeh. That's much better than here. Dafka Rabbi Kiva, the Rosh Yeshiva, he's the one, because Moshe says, listen, going out early doesn't, doesn't it wasn't us. worth it. It wasn't worth it. It's not worth it. Better just to get it over and done with. What? Wouldn't have happened. It we didn't happen. It wouldn't have. No, happened. It wouldn't no, have we would have suffered. It's, it, yeah, it, it we have. wouldn't have had to pay back if Hashem wouldn't have had extra in seven years. My Shabbat was saying, "Don't do it." Two fifty will get you on the on the train. What? No. Two fifty will get you on the subway. <laughs> Mandy, those guys were suffering anyway. Why not just let them suffer another hundred ninety years? That's what he's saying. It wouldn't have been. Yeah, as bad and as that's it. Then it would have been happily ever after. But Anyhow, okay, exactly. that's it. Yeah. That is the yeah. offering yeah. for tonight. Yeah. 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 Shouldn't we count the, egg, the years from the time that you're